The Beat Church, bringing you messages of inspiration, hope, and freedom. Turn up the volume and get ready for the truth that will set you free. Well, God's good. Well, of course he's good because your life is perfect. Your marriage is great. Your family's great. Your kids are great. Like everything you got going on is great. Everything's fantastic. I can't relate to that. I can't engage that. I don't know how to get to that. And so it actually builds a wall between us and people rather than actually opening up a door. It builds a wall because they don't know how. I don't know how to do that. I can't get there. And I'd rather not try and then fall short and be embarrassed. I'd rather just not even engage. So when we open up our lives, we open up our story to people, the real story, it allows people to get hope. It allows people to say, boy, I, do, I, can, I can connect to that. And our real story is not a before and after. It's actually a before and during. That's what we're living Right? So a lot of times people, well, what's your testimony? Well, I was a terrible person, and then I found Jesus. Now I'm awesome. <laughs> the problem with that is if they do start showing up at church, if they do come to know Jesus, if they do start getting close to the Lord, eventually they're going to realize who you really are. Then what? It's like, wow, you said you were really a jerk, and then you found Jesus, and you're kind of still a jerk sometimes. So you can put the show on when you're at work, or you can put the show on in a quick conversation, or if you go out and hand out tracks on the street, and people don't know you, you can say, man, this was me, I was lost, and now I'm found. And they're like, well, somebody should put you back. <laughs> we don't want you. Because we're a before and a during. There's something going on now. We're not finished. God's at work in us. He who began a good work will be faithful to complete us. Why? When do you need faithfulness? You need faithfulness when the middle part seems like it's not working out. Right? That's when you need it. This don't feel like it's working out. We need to be faithful. So as amazing as that verse is, oh, he'll be faithful to complete what he started in me. What it's really saying, if you slow it down, what it's really saying is God started something in you, and somewhere along the way, it looks so hopeless. It looks like such a struggle. It looks like a project he should have never started. That at some point, he's going to have to say, I'm going to be faithful to finish this. Anybody ever started a project you wish you didn't start? All the time I start them, I did shows like me. I'm always starting stuff. I'm like, oh, I shouldn't have started this. But now I got to be faithful to finish the thing. Well, do you know what? When God looks down at you, he loves you. But when God looks down at you and he sees you, okay, he's not being fooled. He knows what everybody else knows. I'm going to have to dip into my faithfulness to finish the project on this guy. I'm going to have to dip into my faithfulness to finish the project on this lady. Well, she's got some work to be done. I'm going to continue to work at it and work in them. So that's our actual story that we're actually living out. Jesus' disciples were the same way. They're wanting to call fire out of heaven to burn people up. He came down to like, I didn't come to condemn the world, but to save it. And they're like, bring down the fire. Burn them up. They're cutting off people's ears. 
They're trying to push the children away when he's trying to minister to children. They're like, get them out of here. They're arguing over who gets to sit by his right hand, who gets to be the best in heaven. And everybody's looking around and saying, didn't you call these guys as like leaders? We're supposed to trust you as like the one that knows everything and you got these losers following you around that want to like burn people up, cut off ears, throw away kids, all this stuff and we're supposed to trust you? And he said, you know what? I'm gonna be faithful to keep working with these disciples. I'm not done yet. I'm working with them. Okay, that is how you need to look at your own story, at your own life. I don't know if I can share because God's not done with me yet. Okay, he's not supposed to be done with you yet, and that's why you're supposed to share. I'm in the middle of this. I'm working on it. Well, don't you have problems? I do, man. Praise God. I need his grace before. I need his grace now. Man, he's helping me work through stuff. Okay, so let's get into some verses. 2 Corinthians 3, 2 through 3. We talked about this last week. I'm going to talk about it again. I'll probably actually use this verse again next week and maybe the week after. So just get used to this verse. You yourselves are our letter. I said the same thing last week. It says letter. What does it not say? Diary. It doesn't say you're a diary. It doesn't say it's your personal faith. It doesn't say, well, it's my personal faith. It's my personal story. It's my personal walk with Jesus. No, it doesn't say that. What it says is you are our letter. Why are letters written? They're written so other people can read them. That's why they're written. So other people can read those letters, okay? Written on your hearts, known and read by who? Everyone. Everyone. That means we're open with the story of what God's writing in our life with all kinds of people. Well, I'm only gonna talk to somebody about my story at all. I can't tell them anything about my story unless I really know them a long time and I really trust them and I really... Okay, here's the problem with that. I understand that that's safe. Okay, I understand the logical reasons for that. But the gospel doesn't line up with that because by the time somebody becomes really close to you and really knows you and is really walking with you, somewhere along the way, I mean, they probably already have a lot in common with you. In fact, they probably already know Jesus. And so your story will be encouraging, but it isn't going to bring somebody that doesn't know Jesus, that's struggling, they're into relationship with him and the hope and the knowledge of knowing him. Because they're already living in that same circle as you. They already know that. They're already walking in it. So it's saying by everyone. In other words, you're giving news to somebody that doesn't already know. They don't already understand. Jesus was sharing things about his life, about himself. And guess what? Not everybody accepted it. Well, if I share my story, people might reject me. If I share my story, people might use it against me. Yes. Yes. It's true. I'm going to read you. This is our, this is our church Facebook page, the about section. So this is where you put the best foot forward for your church, right? Boom. Fantastic church, amazing worship, fabulous young adults, top of the line fog machine, multicolored laser lights. Boom. Come to the church, right? Pastor has 72 degrees, not temperature, education, smart, right? Sent out by this other person that knows a lot of people. Like, you put all your good stuff up there. Boom. Fantastic children's ministry. Okay, here's a church that you can be so proud to attend. And how it starts out. It says, about the lead pastors, Andy and Carrie Elliott. It's the about page where we put all of our best foot forward. My wife, Carrie, and I got married at 18. We owned our first uh, deli at age of 19. And, okay, we're still in the first sentence. And nearly divorced by the time we were 22. 
We haven't even hit a period yet, right? We're still boom, right? We're here in the first sentence. It says, when I took a hard turn away from God, underlying it all was an immense struggle with social anxiety. My social anxieties were so debilitating, I would literally hide in our bedroom closet when people came to our home. A close friend had the courage to drag me to the pastor's house at 3 a.m., expose my double life, and plead for help. This is the first, like, three sentences. This is the first foot forward. The first foot forward is, here's my story. I struggled, and I need God. I continue to struggle, because life is not easy, and I need God. Okay, so this entire church, we talk about love God, love people, live like you mean it. Part of loving God and loving people is actually opening up enough that they can actually connect to who you really are. This is what's going on. This is who God really is. This is who I really am. This is where I'm at. This is where I'm going. And so having that ability to do that creates that space. But that's an open letter. I don't want people coming into church thinking that I'm the best, most educated, most wonderful, perfect pastor with the perfect suit, and my hair's always right, and my shirt's always ironed, and it's all just right. Because you know what? They're going to get to know me. And then they're going to be, hey, I was sold something. It didn't quite work out like that. I would rather put out there that this is who I am. This is where I come from. And I'm now following Jesus. And by the grace of God, you can join me and we can go on this journey together. And join me for who you are. So that I'm not surprised six months down the road when I find out who you really are either. Let's just come in together. And let's do this, and let's walk together and love each other and care for each other. But this is an open letter read by everyone, it says. You show that you are a letter from Christ, the result of our ministry, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. This is something God works in us, and he's writing a message to the world to be read, which we have to be open for. Words of freedom, Revelations 12, says, And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ. For the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down. Anyone ever feel accused? What does our culture do really, really well? Accuse. Oh, man, you get accused for everything. All the time. Everything's an accusation. Everything you're not measuring up. Everything you're not doing good enough. They've got a thing going around right now that if you celebrate the 4th of July, you're going to get canceled because, because America's not good, so you can't do, uh, celebrate the 4th of July. That's going to show that you're, you're four bad things. And so you're going to get canceled. You're going to get removed off of stuff. I mean, pick something, and you can get canceled or accused or beaten down for it. It doesn't matter what it is. Cancelers are now canceling each other. Everybody's getting canceled. It's like an Armageddon of cancellation. What's going on? So at some point, the accuser of the brothers was thrown down. It's really talking about the devil and God's victory over him. But here's what it says. He who accuses them day and night before our God. It just never ends. Like, ah, oh, there's always something. Always somebody against me. Always an accusation. Yeah, day and night. It never stops. Over and over and over. But here's what it says. They've conquered him by the blood of the lamb. That's Jesus dying on the cross, rising again, taking away our sin, rising in victory to give us new life. Through the gospel message, he's overcome the power of the enemy. But then listen to the second part. And by the word of their testimony. By the word of whose testimony? By the believers, by those that follow God, that they had a testimony to share. Okay, so I don't want you to answer this. I just want you to think about this yourself. 
In the last week, how many people have you personally talked to about problems with the government, problems with inflation, problems with your family, problems with gas prices, problems with your work, problems with the politician, problems with a, a, a family member, whatever, that you've talked about with the president, with problems with yourself, right, your own failure, shortcomings, size. how many people have you talked to about that, or how many times have you talked about that to someone? Just think to yourself, okay? Now, how many people this week have you told the testimony of the goodness of God in your life that's rescued you from whatever bondage and difficulty and challenge that you were in, whether that's addiction, whether that's a marriage issue, a mental issue, emotional issue, when you thought you couldn't pay your bills and God gifted and provided to you through someone else's hand, the job promotion that you got that shouldn't have been yours, but somehow God moved forward and got you that thing, the child that you got back that you didn't have custody of, all all the things, the physical healing that you've had, something along those lines that you shared in the last week with somebody of how God's moved in your life. Because the recipe here is really clear. They overcome by the blood of the lamb. That's done. There's nothing we can add to it. But the second part that the world is waiting for, the activator, we shot off cannons yesterday. Gatling guns and cannons. You know why? Because we're Texans now. That's what you do. And so in that cannon, guess what? The cannon gets loaded with powder, a bunch of black powder gets shoved in there, and that part's done. There's nothing you can add to it, not unless you want to kill everybody. But it's done, it's packed, it's finished. But at some point, if you want things to take off, you have to light the fuse, right, and bring it to life. And the power gets released by the fuse. Okay, so here's the thing. The blood of Jesus, the work of the cross, has been packed down, it's done, The fuse has to be lit. Something has to release the power to other people. And God's design through his word that he talks about over and over again is that that power is released through testimony. It's released through people speaking. That's the lighter that comes over and somebody's sitting there and the blood's been poured over their life. God's already died for them. God's already paid the price for them. He already loves them. It's already there. And then you come over and you, through your testimony, you light that thing in their heart that's had a hunger and an emptiness, a thirst for something they didn't know what it was. And your testimony comes over and bam, it starts to spark and it begins to burn in. Remember, somebody did that for you once. That's how you came to know Jesus. You were sitting there. God had done the work on the cross. It's finished. He didn't re-die on the cross because you decided that you wanted to know Jesus. It was already done. It was already packed. Somebody at some point stepped into your life, shared their testimony, shared their story, shared the good news of Jesus, and all of a sudden, you walked away saying, oh, I don't know about that. But you walked away, and as you walked away, guess what? Something's working towards your heart, right? It's happening, and you're like, I don't want to know about that. I don't care. I, I don't, I don't. And then all of a sudden, one day, one night, one morning, wherever you might have been at, in your bed, you might have been at a church service, you might have been at work, but all of a sudden, one day, boom! Your mind explodes, your heart explodes, the love of God's being poured in. You're like, I don't know what just happened to me. 
but I'm changing. And I'm not even sure how to do it. I'm not even sure what happened. And you begin to change. But somebody was faithful to share their story and share about God's goodness in order for it to impact your life. The Bible talks about how can they know, right, unless they're told. And how can they be told unless someone tells them. I mean, God broke it down into that simple of math. Why? Because he knew that we would try to avoid it. He knew we wouldn't really, we, oh, I don't really understand the mystery of it. Because God speaks a lot of things in mysteries. There's parables, there's all kinds of stuff. But when it comes down to sharing your story, sharing the gospel, sharing the good news, he says, how can they hear unless someone tells them? And how can someone tell them unless you do it? Like, okay, I think I got it. And that's what he's trying to get through to us. What's your testimony? What is your testimony? What is your story? What's God doing in your life? What's going on? Here's that verse in Romans 10. Just reading it right from the word. I just paraphrased it, but here it is in the word. And how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That is why the scripture says how beautiful are the feet of messengers who bring good news. My question is, what if nobody had ever told you? We remember that they did. But what if no one had ever told you? Imagine your life, where you would be at right now. Some of you, it would be in the grave. I know you well enough. Some of you, it'd be in jail. Some of you, it'd be in a broken marriage. Some of you, fill in the blank. We all have a unique story. For me, it'd be in my home as an alcoholic, never leaving the house, never answering the phone. My wife would be gone. I'd just be there by myself. That's the path I was on. And I was right, right there in it. But where would you be? Because somebody else right now is sitting there waiting for someone to come and light the fuse with their story. And if nobody does it, it doesn't get lit. Well, but God will light it. No. And how can they believe if they have never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? This is the partnership that God has with us. He says, do you know what? I'm going to do all of this, but you're my partner. I'm going to bring you into this, and I need you to play your part. He needs me to play my part in order to do this. Well, when I'm, when I'm, when I'm all done and I'm ready and I'm good enough to present, a lot of people will miss it by then because you'll be dying by then, and they'll have already lived their life, and it'll be over. I did a funeral here on Thursday. I love doing funerals. It's one of my favorite things. I just love it. That sounds weird, huh, Hyrule? I love it. The reason I love doing funerals is because at the end of someone's life, we had probably 15 people share, come up and share. And Linda, who was at our church for, for the last few months, she passed away, and we did her funeral here on Thursday, celebration of life. And we had probably 15 people come up and share. And the amazing thing about any funeral, any celebration of life, is everybody comes up and shares really amazing stuff about the person. Is that their whole story? No. Are people lying? No. 
then why does everybody focus on the awesome thing when they're at that funeral? It's because all the expectations and the perfectionism and you've got to be right and you've got to fit my thing and all the demands are gone because they know the person can't fulfill them anyway. And when all that stripped away, the accusation, the expectation, all this stuff stripped away, all that's left is just to appreciate what the person did to make it through the struggle of life, what they did to add value where they could. It doesn't matter if the person was homeless, if the person was an addict, if the person was rich or poor. People come up and they say, this is what they did that added value because everything else is stripped away. But we don't have to wait for that to begin to embrace it. We can do it now. We can say, hey, do you know what? I got problems and issues, but nobody's gonna talk about it in my funeral and judge me for it there, so I'm not gonna be judged for it now. I've just got stuff I'm working through. But guess what? I'm trying to add value and do good things too that God's working in me because God's good and he's willing to do this journey with me. And guess what? You're pretty messed up. So you could probably let God work with you too. We can all go together. And this is the message. This is what God's wanting us to bring as a gospel. The testimony, the story that God wants us to bring is not a before and after. It's a before and during and just be open with our life so people can join us. And we can all do that. It doesn't matter if you've been in church 30 years or 30 days or 30 minutes. This is your first time. It's that I'm on a journey with God and this is what's been happening. I'm starting to overcome this depression. But weren't you in your room all night last night? Yeah, but three days before that, I was on top of, I was on, I was on top of things and feeling great. And that's the first time I've had three straight days of feeling good in a year. And I might be in depression tomorrow. But then I might feel better the next day because God's been working me through this and I'm progressing. It's moving forward. And it's beginning to talk about that. But people need us to do that. Psalms 107, one through two. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. That's something we're doing in ourselves. His loving devotion endures forever. We're loving God. We're being thankful in our heart. But guess what happens? The Bible says out of the abundance of the heart, what? The mouth speaks. If we're meditating on and being thankful for the goodness of God in our life, at some point, this is supposed to happen. Let the redeemed of the Lord think about it. Let the redeemed of the Lord journal about it. Let the redeemed of the Lord pray quietly about it. No, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Redeemed, God's doing a work in my life. I've been redeemed, God's changing me. I was reading some stuff on freedom and I was reading, I ended up somehow on a link that went back to a bunch of quotes of people that when the Emancipation Proclamation happened, when slaves were set free, and they had interviewed, like 50 years later, they had interviewed all of these different uh, slaves at this newspaper that had been set free. And I'm reading through, other through just tons of them. And the common thing when you're reading through it was that people were free. They weren't even sure what it meant. They're just like, I'm free. I don't know what that means. Like, I can leave, but where do I go? I don't have a home. I don't have food. I don't have an education. Like, where do I go? Like, free to do what? Free to go out and starve? Free to go out? Like, what does it even mean? But they were finding out about freedom because somebody came and told them they didn't have to fully understand it, but then as they began to become aware of it, they began to learn what it means. And like one story in there, a guy went to go get work and somebody offered him money. He's like, I realize that I can actually take care of myself now. It can happen. Should they have been in that situation? No. 
they were in that situation. And then when freedom came, they were just as free the minute they were set free as they were when they started to understand their freedom. But it took them a while to begin to understand and even for other people to really start backing up to even allow it. Well, guess what? We get a freedom in Christ and somebody comes and we realize through him that we're free and sometimes we don't even know what it really means. Like, I don't have to be in addiction. I don't have to always get angry. I don't have to go into depression. Like, I, okay, but I don't even know how to live the other way. I don't even know what that looks like. Like, I'm comfortable here, even though it's bad. Like, I hate addiction and I hate self-harm and I hate all the things going on in my life. And I know it's bad, but I don't even know that. And then other people around saying, oh, you can't be free. You need to go back. You shouldn't be free. And all that comes. But the reality is that the freedom's there. And the more that we walk into it, the more we learn about it, the more that we experience it, the more that we understand it, the more we make use of it, the more good that comes out of our life and in the life of others through it. But it doesn't change the fact that we were set free. When we come to know the Lord... We're working towards an understanding and a revelation and an, and an actual living out of the freedom that he gave us. It doesn't mean now, 25 years into serving the Lord, that I'm more free than I was the first day. I'm different. I manage my emotions better most of the time. I'm more generous. I'm more kind. I'm more forgiving. A lot of things than I was... I feel more free because I'm not addicted to some things that I used to be addicted to, but that doesn't mean I am more free. I was fully free, but I've had to learn to live it out, learn to live what it means and learn to live in it, to be in it. So when we share our testimony with people, we say, man, Christ set me free. And in the back of our mind, we say, well, I'm pretty free. I'm pretty free. No, we're free and we're learning, but feel free to share the testimony that way. Man, God freed me from addiction. I'm moving forward. And once in a while, I stumble, but I'm still moving forward. And God's been changing my life. God freed me from anger. And I just lost my mind this morning. But it's rare now. And God's moving me forward because I'm learning how to live in the freedom that he gave me. My life is changing. And it gives us freedom to share where we're really at. Two more verses. And we're going to be done. Luke 8, 38 to 39. The man from whom the demons had gone out, Jesus cast demons out of a man. It says he, they had gone out. They begged that he might... He begged that he might be with Jesus, but Jesus sent him away. He said, man, I just want to be with you. Sometimes when we get freedom and God does stuff in our life, man, I just want to be with Jesus. Just me and Jesus. I just want, man, I just need to be alone. I just need my own time. I just want to be with Jesus, or I just want to come serve at the church. I just want to be at the church, be around other Christians. I just want to be around Jesus stuff. But here's what he said. He says that Jesus sent him away, and he said, return to your home and declare, that's speaking, declare how much God has done for you. So he went away proclaiming throughout the city how much Jesus had done for him. Of which I guarantee you a lot of people didn't believe because they just saw him that morning the guy was nuts. Now he's coming saying, Jesus changed me, I'm amazing. Uh, dude, you're nuts. We've known you your whole life, you're nuts. You're just on a high right now. But keep your kids away from that guy, he's crazy. It took them a while to adjust to the fact that God really changed him. They wouldn't have just started saying, oh, he's perfect. Hey, you should come over here and run my, run my business for me. You look really smart now. They still would have saw him the same way and had a change, but he didn't let that deter him from, de from declaring what God had done. He just declared it. God did this. Well, we'll watch and see if God really did that in you. Go ahead and watch, because he did. Watch me. 
Watch it happen. Watch it unfold. John 4. Then leaving her water, this is the woman at the well. Jesus had talked to her, had, had given her a prophetic word, had invited her to the kingdom, invited him to know her. She says, then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town. She said to the people, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. If you read that parable, none of it was good. Right? Come meet a man who told me all the bad things I've ever done. I realized how horrible of a person I've been and all the things I've been through. Right? Open book. Wide open. She said, could this be the Messiah? And they came out of the town and they made their way toward him. So her testimony in brokenness, unfinished, in the middle of it, still going on, people still knowing she had struggles, still knowing her life wasn't put together, because literally it just happened, she's already telling people. She didn't have time to fix. She was living, she was married to a guy, she had five husbands, she's married to another guy, she's living with a different guy. She didn't have time to move out yet. She literally went from there to there. She said, God's changed me, God's delivered me. You're like, well, aren't you still married to this guy, but you're living over there? Yes. Doesn't sound like he changed much. He's changed me. I'm changing. I'm moving forward. But she went and started declaring. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days. And check this out. And because of his words, many more became believers. In other words, her message, her testimony, her story, as broken and messed up and unfinished as it was, it lit a fuse that a few days later resulted in many people coming to know Jesus. And so we're all in that same position. I've got these cards. Alan, you want to pass those out? And Jen, is Jen still in here? Or she probably had to head out. We want to grab some of those, pass those around? Or no, Michelle's got them. So on the screen, you see this picture right here. It says, share your story. It's got the QR code on it. If you hold up your phone and scan that, it's going to take you to a link, and that link, the one on the screen, that link will take you to a place to record your video, five minutes or less. You could do 30 seconds. You don't have to fill five minutes. But you just put your, your camera in front of your face, like all of you do, right? Everybody loves selfies and videos. We all know how to do it. And then you just hit boom, record, once you're on that screen. It will record your story, and your story is not a sitcom. It doesn't have to have a happy ending. You don't have to say, this is happening, that's happening, and then it all worked out good. You can say, I'm in the middle of this, and I just got abandoned, and I'm in the middle of a divorce, actually, and my whole life's falling apart, and I don't know what I'm going to do with it, but you know what? I'm walking through it, and I have the strength and the peace of God, which is making me feel, feel very good right now through it, and I believe God's going to be with me to the end of it. I'm in the middle of a storm, but I'm not scared because I know God's going to have my back at the end, and it's going to work out. It doesn't have to be all finished and tied with the bow at the end. It's just life. And you're sharing where you're at in your life or what you've been through and what God's doing and what you're learning from him right now and how you're walking with him right now. But when you, if you scan that, take you to that link. You can record your story. We have about 15 of them on a page right now. My goal is to have like 100 of them. And then I've got a couple thousand of these cards made. And these cards don't say it's a church. They don't say any of that. It doesn't even say it's religious. It's just a card. It says two things on it. Hope lives here. And the back just says, life can be better. And then these cards, I've got a couple thousand of them. The hope is that everyone can just hold on to some of these. And when you're talking to somebody that's discouraged, you're talking to somebody that's going through it, you're talking to somebody you don't know what to say or do, you don't have to even invite them to church. Just say, you know what? There's a, there's a page with a bunch of videos on it of people that are finding hope. 
You should check it out. Just walk away. Just light the fuse. My story's on there too. You should go check it out. You see my story, you'll see a bunch of people that are finding hope. Light the fuse. Let it start to work. You know what? They might end up in another church. Who cares? They might end up in this church. That's great. We're not trying to get them to the beat. We're trying to get them to Jesus. And if we can get them to Jesus by giving them hope through your story or somebody else's story, that's the goal. There's people all over the world. We can't fit them all on the beat. Okay, so it's not realistic. We just want to get them to Jesus. Okay, so if you can take time, less than five minutes, record your story. Your hair can be a mess. I wish mine could. <laughs> just be thankful for what you got. Lighting doesn't have to be perfect. Makeup doesn't have to be perfect. Your words don't have to be perfect. It's okay if you stutter. Just turn your thing on and say, man, this is what God's been doing in my life. This is what he's still doing. And there's hope here. You should check out God. The end. Click. And then we're going to take these, and people hand them out, and then the other, like, 1,500 of them that I'm going to have, I'm going to go around to all these apartments around here, all these homes and apartments around here. I'm going to put them on doors, just boom, 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 and just light fuses all around the apartments, just stick stuff on doors, stick stuff on doors, stick stuff on doors. How many times do we wake up in the morning, we open Facebook, we turn on the news, we open a newspaper, and what do we get? Somebody's lighting our fuse. But it isn't for hope. It's for despair. Every time. I woke up, I was going to have a great day. I flipped over my thing. I looked at the news. I looked at social media. Psh, boom. Total depression, chaos, destruction, anger, agitation. But we can light a fuse that leads to hope. We can light a fuse that leads to Christ. And we can do it together. I can't do it by myself. Okay, so I'm asking you to jump in and help. Record your video. Once we have a bunch of them done, I'll get these cards out to everybody where we actually have a good amount of them. Just give them to somebody. If you want to help me put them on apartments, help me put them on apartments. We just want to get the message of hope out to a world that is desperately, desperately starving for it. Amen. Let's bow our heads. Father, I pray for everyone that's here, Lord, that you would, God, encourage them, Lord, about their own story. God, that you who began a good work in them will be faithful to complete it. Lord, they're not uh, just going wrong. They're not broken. Lord, they're not uh, deformed. Lord, they're in process. Lord, I pray you'd encourage them and give them hope in their own life. Lord, and help them to be conduits of hope to others. God, we give ourselves to you this way. Lord, we ask that you do it in Jesus' name. Amen. the next step and visit www.thebeatchurch.com and get connected with a community committed to applying these truths in their everyday lives. You can also give now to support our messages by visiting www.thebeatchurch.com give.